Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder and CEO, Natya Bester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Welcome everyone. Great to have you with us as always. We're going to allow a bit of time for the room to fill up. Before we get going with today's very exciting episode, due to the fabulous guests that we have in the house for you, in the meantime, here is your one minute or less lowdown on this week's top NFT news. So I say Nike, you say sports, think again. The sportswear manufacturing giant is proving that you don't have to be in Web3 to do Web3. The company's NFT-related projects are topping the NFT revenue charts, clocking in at over $185 million. For context, the designer brand Dolce & Gabbana, which comes in at second place, has raked up a measly $25 million in comparison. So it seems there's no better time to just do it. And if you thought you needed to be a talented artist that makes the canvas bow at your feet in order to create NFT art, there is hope for you. The world's first NFT art that's put none other than an XLS file, aka Microsoft Excel, on chain has been released by financial planning platform DataRails in support of war victims in Ukraine. So if filling out spreadsheets isn't your idea of fun, it seems the NFT world is ready to receive you with open arms. And even more interesting, Telegram CEO Pavel Durov has indicated that the communications company is considering making Telegram usernames and channel links available as NFTs, which forms part of a wider intention to Web3ify the chat app. So if you've ever had the misfortune of dealing with the nightmare of scammers posing as crypto group admins asking for your keys, your money, or your life, then this could have some real interesting impl implications. All right, so I see the space is filling up. Without further ado, let's get going. Hey, Web3 World, this is Natya Besta from Adlunum, and you are listening to The Future of NFTs, the weekly show that looks beyond current NFT use cases to what non-fungible token technology is evolving into. And of course, this is seen through the eyes and built by the minds of the fascinating guest speakers that we speak to each week. Adlunum is building the industry's first IDEO launchpad with a proof of attention allocation mechanism. We deep dive into the world of NFTs because as an investment platform, we are contributing to the future of NFTs through our engaged to earn model, which is powered by dynamic NFT investor profiles. Investors in IDEO sales are able to leverage their proof of attention scores in order to receive allocation and share the allocation through fractionalized NFTs. We are live every Tuesday, so catch us each week for in-depth insights and also be sure to join our sister show, Diving Into Crypto, live every Thursday at the same time. Both shows feature thought leaders and change makers in this game-changing industry. Speaking of game-changing thought leaders, right here, right now, I have a massive treat for you. Today, we are going meta. 
First, because as with most things in the Web3 space, all this talk about NFTs is ultimately very limited if there isn't any real utility attached to it, which sadly something that many NFT projects and investors have realized ever so painfully during the 2022 crypto winter. And second, Meta, because my guest today is none other than Jason Fernandes, my fellow co-founder here at Adlunum, who comes with a very impressive pedigree in the business world generally and the crypto space specifically. So a reminder that I will be opening up to questions at the end of the show when you can either put in a speaker request or you can direct message your question to the Adlunum Twitter handle at Adlunum Inc. So over to today's guest. Jason has had an illustrious career so far which started as far back at the age of 15 when one of his first startups was featured on MTV. Fast forward all of the years since, Jason is an award-winning founder, investor, speaker, advisor, and crypto analyst. And not only is his expertise sought out by top crypto media, but he's advised international firms, government bodies, and state governments on blockchain and crypto adoption. He's also served as the country head of India for crypto exchange XREX and chief business officer at the publicly listed Web3 investment firm NFT Tech. So Jason, we really would need 10 minutes to go over all of your impressive bio, but I hope I've covered most of the highlights. Um, very happy to have you in the house today. Hi, Nadia. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, thank you, everybody else, for tuning in uh, to listen. It's really nice to see this room grow week uh, week after week. Yeah, so I'm happy to be here. Uh, can't wait to jump into you know discussions on NFTs, utility, you know, some something about you know the future of NFTs, uh, and at least where uh, where I think you know some of the mo the most interesting um, interesting innovations are going to come from. So happy to be here and uh, look forward to getting started. Awesome. I think that we are definitely much more excited than you are because everyone here is a captive audience member just waiting to hear what you have to say. So Jason recently conducted a mini NFT bootcamp with Masters Union, an organization offering blockchain developer master camp classes. So really, we are in a very fortunate position today because we are getting the lowdown on NFT utility straight from the master's mouth. So on that note, Jason, let's start with an insider peek at the man of the hour. Tell us more about you, your background, and what fuels your fire. Uh, yeah, well, thanks a lot for that uh, introduction. Well, I guess um, I, I would consider myself uh, mostly a technologist uh, at my core. So I've been sort of in technology professionally pretty much for as long as I can remember. Uh, so as you mentioned, you know, I started my first company around 13. It's been, and at the time, sort of internet was like brand new. Uh, I think I first started, started interacting with it around the time I was like 15. Uh, and it was sort of still being worked out. Uh, so the company I started at the time, ZeoCities, was focused on the sort of areas like, you know, uh, content discovery, uh, on-ramps like email, and things like that, that was sort of, you know, hadn't quite been figured out yet. Um, I also, also kind of joke that when I started one uh, using the internet, it was black and white. 
Um, that's not actually too far from the truth because um, at the time you had to sign up for what, what uh, at least in India, if you wanted to get online, you had to sign up for what's known as a shell account, which was uh, it meant because you were you were sort of uh, dialing into it, but I, but it was literally a shell of an account because you're interacting with the internet uh, like on a black and white screen with just text. Uh, and you would have to like move the, the cursor over to click on things, and it was just an incredibly terrible experience. So nothing, nothing even close to you know what it looks like to to, to load up a browser and see you know 1080 4K images on on the screen instantly. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so I guess I've always been kind of like an early adopter. I was like one of the first guys to buy uh, the first MP3 player, the Diamond Rio PMP300. Uh, it was also the, the, I also bought like the very first iPhone, only like 13 million people bought the first iPhone. Now they sell that in, like in, in like the first day of sales. Uh, but the very first iPhone, there was only 13 million sold as far as I remember, I think. Um, and, and, I, and I happened to own one of those. Uh, so yeah, I mean, sort of an early adopter. So when crypto sort of came out, blockchain, Bitcoin came out, it was sort of obvious that I would sort of be there and try to be figuring out, you know, how I can contribute. Yeah, I think you know, your description of yourself as a technologist and an early adopter is so apt for a lot of what's happening in the Web3 space. But I couldn't help wondering, you mentioned this black and white internet, but do you think that we are in the black and white version of Web3 today? So that's an open question, you know, answer it at your own peril. But um, on that note, speaking of NFT, yeah. go, uh, go no, ahead. I think yeah, I mean, I guess if I if I could, yeah, I think we we certainly are uh, in the black and white version of of, of blockchain uh, uh, to the extent that we will see it. You know, let's say five years or ten years hence, looking back, uh, I think that we are still so nascent that the that, that there's still just so much left to be discovered. There's just so many more you know avenues where you know that we wouldn't have even expected uh, going in. And I think, you know, that's the really interesting thing because these technologies come up and if you're at the forefront of understanding what is happening, it really feels like there's a very slow process to get you from these innovation stages all the way to mass adoption. So on to my next question, which, you know, really focuses more on this journey that NFTs have taken. If you think about NFT adoption, um, we had in 2017 Dapper Labs who congested the Ethereum network with CryptoKitties. And it seemed like there was not that much happening between that point and then sort of 2020 when NFTs really just exploded. But for those people in the industry, I mean, now NFTs might be all the rage, but there are people who have been standing on rooftops, you know, preaching about mass adoption for years. And suddenly here comes this technology. Now the big guns from the fashion, music, consumer industries are kind of leaving their sticky paws all over something that up until very recently was mostly an obscure crypto thing. So how do you see NFTs changing the Web3 industry, but also changing the wider industry, the business, the business world in general, uh, outside and around it? Uh, yeah, I mean, your description of how they sort of evolved is is really appropriate. I mean, I think I think that's the the one of the things that I think is really great about uh, how how NFTs are impacting Web three is sort of this infusion of uh, creativity 
that that gets that, that that's coming into the industry. So you have you know all this creative energy coming in from artists all over the world that are sort of discovering NFTs as a way to distribute their art, and and maybe they start off as artists but then end up you know being very firmly you know into in the Web three space, maybe as entrepreneurs or others. Like I've certainly seen quite a few people uh, that that were first introduced to Web three from the perspective of art and from this perspective, maybe even maybe buying a music NFT, for example, it, maybe their famous artist has put out a, a, their, their music on an NFT, the guy buys a NFT, and next thing you know, uh, they're, they're, they're co-founding a, a Web3 company. So, I mean, I think there's quite a bit of, you know, this creative energy that's just sort of coming into, um, uh, into blockchain and cryptocurrency and Web3 from the, the whole like art uh, industry, or what you want to call it, sort of art world, perhaps. Uh, another thing I think that's happening is like a massive influx of funds, right? So like a lot of people that, that would not normally be attracted to Web3, would not normally be attracted to blockchain or cryptocurrency are purchasing NFTs, holding NFTs, and are like fully, and starting to fully participate. Like there's a, quite a few people that have CryptoPunks. You see a lot of uh, celebrities now have CryptoPunks, particularly with the, with the cost of a CryptoPunk. Uh, and these celebrities would not normally be known for, you know, Snoop Dogg has 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 one. I think David Beckham also owns one. But but these guys are not really particularly known uh, for being into technology or 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 having that, you know, as as even part of their their focus or core. And then the next thing you know, you know, uh, they they get more and more interested in it. Uh, there was actually a Snoop Dogg. Um, lookalike that showed up at an NFT conference uh, in, in the U.S. and everybody just assumed it was a real it was a real Snoop Dogg because he's already you know he's already indicated that he's an interest in NFTs. So I just think that you have this like this cross pollination of like um, artists and and musicians and 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 technologists and I just think that like uh, that sort of uh, amalgamation of all these disparate uh, communities it can work can, can make for a very good. Um, uh, innovation and you know, sort of uh, brand new, uh, uh, brand new things entering the industry. I think, I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's one of the one of the things that we see is how NFTs are changing Web three. Yeah, I think it's so important to highlight this cross pollination, as you say, between creative people and uh, people who are in the technology space, because it really brings to mind, you know, this renaissance sort of upliftment of art, but that was powered by patrons who were really, you know, supporting artists in order to create these great works of art that we still go to museums in order to view. So the one really interesting thing that I think you highlighted is this phenomenon that people very often start off as an artist or a musician, but then once they enter the space, it's not long before they become an entrepreneur as well. And I think this is one of the most really empowering things about Web3 in general is really just understanding that in other industries, there are all of these glass ceilings and, you know, just very, very tightly controlled, controlled boundaries that keep you out from the boardroom tables and keep you out from the decision-making rooms. And then as you come into Web3 and even more so in the NFT space where traditionally artists and musicians have been at the unfortunate end of you know the transaction because you see that record labels and galleries and all of the decision makers in those creative worlds are the ones with the power and the money and really in web3 in general and nft specifically 
it's just this this power switch flip, uh, which is great. But speaking of you know the the revolutionary potential of NFTs, there are so many experts out there that are touting you know many different next big things when it comes to NFTs. And of course, there are others who say that it's going to crash and burn before it's even out of orbit. So what do you reckon is the future of NFTs? Uh, and also, how do you think it will evolve from the current innovations that we are seeing right now? And, and what might it look like in future? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the whole the whole topic at hand is, you know, the future of NFTs. So it's definitely worthwhile to talk about sort of where where it may go in the future well there's there's a couple of things that i'm tracking that i think uh that, that i think are interesting uh one is sort of the social the social impact uh nfts that are out there uh you know there's there's uh, there's various companies that are looking at like at, at using nfts uh as, as an ecosystem that celebrate celebrates uh rewards sort of gamifies social environmental good uh, so there are people that you know uh, there there are, there are platforms that, that where you can sort of earn uh, NFT collectibles uh, by doing positive deeds by you know doing environmental focused uh, things uh, and essentially it's sort of like gold based uh, cause based uh, NFTs where people work towards that even 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 these NFTs where you know you have to lose a certain amount of weight or you know you're using it to work out or uh, you know gain muscle mass and things like that I mean. A lot of these, I think, um, uh, I'm really curious to see where it will go. Uh, I'm still not, you know, I'm not entirely certain that that constitutes the kind of utility that will hold value over time. Uh, but the question is, you know, what what value is it, right? If your purpose is uh, in some way to fund a nonprofit organization or to bring attention to a nonprofit organization or a particular cause, you know, uh, uh, that, that could be something other, other than monetary that, that you're achieving through NFTs uh, and through your purchase of those NFTs and interaction with those NFT ecosystems uh, that, that's, that's far beyond, you know, anything you could achieve from purchasing or, you know, you're participating in that in, in any other way uh, with the hope to, you know, extract some degree of utility over it, from it over the long term. So that's one thing I think is interesting. I mean, it's a company called Leyline where they're sort of uh, creating this sustainable NFT I, I identity and ecosystem uh, again, where you can sort of get points to uh, earn collectibles and uh, by doing positive deeds and things like that. So that's that's interesting. Uh, another thing that I think is interesting is is the whole fragmentation of NFTs. You mentioned that earlier in your introduction when you were talking about ad lunum and, and fractionalizing NFTs. And I think that is going to be, you know, uh, really, really, really uh, fascinating going forward how that evolves, particularly because we know that some NFTs are, you know, massively prohibitively expensive. So the cheapest uh, CryptoPunk, I think, is about couple, $200,000. dollars that's actually down, like it was four or five hundred thousand dollars, even a few, uh, even a few months ago. Uh, so, so, so if you wanted want to have liquidity in some of these, uh, uh, in some of these NFTs, uh, the only way is to sort of make these these high value NFTs liquid uh, via fragmentation. So it's sort of that's of course sort of breaking up the NFT into smaller pieces, uh, and, and so people can earn, you know, a, a smaller part of, of an expensive NFT. And then of course you have entire DAOs that 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 are, that come out of you know uh, come out of this uh, as a as a goal, right? Uh, basically, a group of people that are uh, coming together to to fulfill a common goal, either via 
uh, purchasing an NFT or, you know, maybe purchasing like real world assets and things like that. So, uh, in fact, one of the ways I came across um, NFT fragmentation first was uh, when I was advising a company called Foho, which is a real estate company, uh, uh, cryptocurrency uh, called Foho Coin. Uh, essentially, when, when it was creating the tokenomics and, and constructing the tokenomics for uh, for Foho, it came up with essentially like a, a dual token system where you had like a native token and then you had an individual, uh, a native fungible token rather, and then you had a, uh, a non-fungible token that was paired with it where you could, you know, purchase uh, the, the, the native token, the, the non-fungible token with the native token. Uh, but then uh, that native and uh, that NFT basically represented um, uh, a real estate property, but that could be fractionalized and then, and then of course, uh, sold to where individual people had fractional ownership of that property. Uh, so that's sort of how I first got introduced when I first started researching and, and understanding how, how these things worked. Uh, sort of, that was a, my sort of first introduction. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where that goes. So what are the kind of things that, that, that are fractionalized in the future? Are there, uh, are shares going to be fractionalized? Are there, um, you know, and, and interestingly, you know, fractionalization is really how uh, funds can, can really enter the ecosystem. Uh, that's actually one way where, you know, when something is way too expensive for one or two individual people to, 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 to fund, uh, fractionization offers that as, a, as, as an out, as, a, as something to look into. Uh, the other thing I'm tracking, uh, the last, the third thing rather, is sort of profile pictures. So they're known as PFB NFT pro, uh, projects. Uh, and you'll notice that uh, most of the of the of the top uh, NFT projects are actually uh, BFB uh, NFTs. So uh, you know, thousands of people uh, use them as digital identities. Uh, some people, s- some systems have used it to sort of send essentially like grant admission to uh, and 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 membership in basically highly active communities. So you can say uh, have access to exclusive Discord groups. Uh, certain rights to images you might purchase. Uh, you could also change your Twitter uh, profile picture, for example, to an NFT icon. Uh, so these things are, are actually being done. I think uh, there's even discussions in Twitter of, of Twitter essentially allowing you to verify your NFT that it is indeed, you know, uh, what, because theoretically right now you could create an NFT of everything, even though it's kind of frowned upon. Uh, I could create an NFT uh, that's that's an exact copy of a you know of a crypto punk and then you know refer to that from from Twitter. There'd be no way for them to check. However, uh, they are they are working on that and allowing you to sort of verify that as well, from what I understand. So I think uh, and of course, Board Ape Yacht Club, sort of the most the most famous of these of these, where you have uh, they they've been doing a lot of these. Uh, a lot of people have used their uh, Board Ape as their profile picture, uh, you know, on Twitter. And, and you actually own, uh, you know, creative rights to your uh, copyright rights to your particular board ape, same with CryptoPunk. So there's people that have built entire like IPs and, and media companies and television shows around their, uh, around their board ape. Like Seth Rogen, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, recently set up, is setting up a, a TV show around his, uh, uh, his board ape. So I think, you know, I th- I'm curious to see where these, these, these areas will go. So sort of uh, the, the, the um, profile picture NFTs, then NFT fragmentation, and then finally the social impact NFTs. Yeah, really great answer. I love how you highlighted a couple of different things. First of all, fractionalization being this idea of that's an avenue for funds to enter an ecosystem because it brought to mind for me this recent case of a CryptoPunk that was fractionalized between 
believe it was over 57,000 investors who whitelisted and will now all own a share of this one crypto bank. But then also, really what I think stood out was the versatility of all of the use cases, whether it's, you know, just NFTs in general, or more specifically, uh, NFT fractionalization. Because some of the things you mentioned, I mean, for example, social impact, nonprofits and environmental organizations, they are the opposite of what we would consider sexy. It's not the kind of thing that people want to get involved with. They would perhaps, you know, donate something just to kind of still their own conscience, but it's not something that people feel excited to be uh, involved with. And I am, you know, I've been involved in environmental uh, sort of startups and that kind of thing for a few years. And what I've seen very strongly uh, come through recently is those startups' use of NFTs. Uh, also, as you were mentioning, you know, the implications of PFPs, uh, including this concept of IP, which again is something that is going to completely change the narrative in terms of what is ownership. Uh, if I if I buy something, what implications does that have for me? Because we are used to this model of the IP is always, of course, owned by the company that originally sold, sells something. Even if you think about Facebook, I mean, you you join Facebook or Meta, as they are now called, and even every piece of data that you upload to the platform immediately becomes the ownership of Facebook uh, as opposed to your own. And also then just how many other real-world applications there can be, like, for example, real estate and investment in terms of shares and so so forth. But on the flip side of all of these really sort of bright clouds and rainbows and unicorns that we can look forward to in the future, what do you think is hindering progress or mass adoption for NFTs? And I also want to know, in terms of safeguarding against you know, this tech falling flat or really just falling short of its potential, what is it that the industry can do to ensure that we do live up to its potential? Um, yeah, that's a great question in terms of sort of what's hindering the progress, mass adoption. Uh, I think that one of the biggest, uh, biggest things that affect NFTs and their popularity is the volatility. So the volatility is both a curse and uh, a boon for NFTs. So on one hand, uh, uh, it discourages a lot of traditional organizations from engaging with NFTs. Uh, I know of, uh, of, uh, personally of, of a major religion uh, that was that was looking at sort of getting into the NFT space and maybe NFTing some of their you know prized religious artifacts, uh, but but they changed their mind due to you know uh, uh, just the volatility and and the negative press attached around NFTs. It was just not a good market to sort of uh, to, to sort of uh, too controversial. Let's put it that way. So yeah, and 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 not just that, but you have obviously a lot of other traditional organizations, companies. That, that would normally maybe get into NFTs, maybe play around with it, but it's just, it, you know, sometimes it has developed such a bad name in certain circles that people would rather, you know, stay clear of it and avoid, you know, any particular bad publicity that might come out of it. So that, I think, is a direct representation of, among other things, the volatility in price. So, uh, but on the flip side, you know, uh, uh, the volatility allows people to get in uh, on a lower floor if they wanted to invest. I mean, the fact that CryptoPunks now are at something like 250 or 250k last i checked they may have gone up since then uh indicate that you know you can have an average person that well an average person that has a quarter of a million dollars uh get involved uh where 
you know, it might have been unaffordable for him, uh, you know, in the past because because they were, you know, four hundred thousand dollars, like literally double. So you do have some new people, you know, coming in. Of course, it doesn't quite benefit the actual holders of those NFTs already. So there's that. But um, I think that's one of the things that's that's hindering a lot of progress. Um, another thing is that a lot of NFT creators have uh, crafted their NFTs in such a way that they focus their utility like front loaded. So for example, uh, uh, there might be musical artists that have released uh, NFTs of their music promising, uh, you know, goodies that come along the way and people think, Oh, Hey, this is great. I'll buy this. And, and then I'll be connected to that, that, um, that, that's artist. Uh, but essentially you're, you're doing nothing more than joining his, his fan, his or her fan club, because after the very first bit of, you know, value or utility that they, that they may give you, maybe entry into a concert or something, all subsequent concerts, you know, uh, uh, get paired with subsequent NFTs they release. So if it's, if it's successful, you know, um, they, they're replicating that model. If it's not successful, uh, you may even have trouble collecting on the utility that you were promised in the first place. So a lot of the, that utility that comes in is sometimes front-loaded. Uh, and so it's created in such a way that utility decreases over time, which obviously means that the value of that NFT also decreases over time. And I think that's, you know, uh, a dangerous uh, for the future NFTs, uh, so to speak. Another is that a lot of NFT, uh, a lot of uh, NFT marketplaces uh, are kind of difficult to use. So they do allow one-click login options, but you know, you know, some people are not familiar with with how the wallets work or like creating an issue, uh, sorry, creating a, uh, an NFT or like buying, selling NFTs might have an issue with creating, uh, with, with uh, interacting with that uh, aspect of it. And of course, a lot of these don't have live chat support, nor do they have the funds to be able to sort of, you know, instantly provide the help that people expect. And so you can, that can create sort of a perfect storm for customer turnover when you have, you know, uh, a difficult to understand product, a new difficult to understand product and not a lot of resources for somebody to go uh, and learn more. Yeah, I think, you know, this idea that the price volatility is both, as you said, a curse and a blessing, it brought to mind CryptoPunk, for, ex Crypto Punks, for example. Um, I saw one that was bought for $16 in 2018. Um, so if you think about how much they are selling for today, uh, it really highlights this idea that investors are able to get in at a low floor price, um, which really speaks to, you know, this general and overall sort of democratization of finance and even generational wealth as well, as people are really able to, of course, if they are able to take the right opportunities at the right time, which is another topic entirely, but the Web3 space and NFTs as part of that does offer some sort of entryway into an avenue that otherwise you know, the average person would not have had access to. But I'm wondering, in terms of what you said about, you know, for example, an NFT marketplace being very difficult to use, um, we often hear that it is the difficulty of using products in the Web3 space that is hindering adoption at a, at a mass scale. Do you think that NFTs, because it, it, lean, it lends itself really towards... Uh, the general sort of population, as I mentioned earlier about Nike that has top of the charts revenues related to NFTs. I mean, they are not even a Web3 company. Do you think that NFTs are going to be the way in which a lot of the public is going to be 
you know, sort of christened into this world of Web3. Jason, if you are speaking, you're on mute. Yeah, I was. I was on mute. Thanks. Uh, no, could you repeat exactly? Could, could you explain a bit more what you mean by christened into the world of Web3? Like, what, what do you mean by that? Sure. So in terms of, you know, really you learning how to use a wallet and learning how to make certain purchases and having an address on chain. These are things that average people who are not part of the Web3 space are completely not used to. But on the other hand, now their favorite companies, whether it's Nike or Adidas or Coca-Cola, all of these company, companies are coming out and, you know, launching various NFT products, which seems like, are these products being used and, you know, received by Web3 natives? Or is it more by the general populace who are now learning how to use NFTs and as a result also being really just introduced to the world of Web3? Yeah, understood. That's a great question. I mean, I've I've actually wondered uh, what the what how that breakup is like. How much? How many of the people that engage in these NFTs, uh, like that are done as contests and things, are people that are already in the Web three ecosystem, and how many of them, you know, have never thought about Web three and are just sort of stumbling into it? Uh, I think a lot of it depends on how companies implement this. So, for example, uh, uh, the NBA uh, NFT. Uh, thing was done on a, on the flow blockchain it was designed in such a way where you know you probably didn't even realize that you were using blockchain technology in the first place right like it, uh, everything was was sort of underground and i think uh i'm not sure whether the way to go is to really teach new people how to use wallets uh and and interact with web3 or whether it's probably more useful to have people develop UI where the fact that it's built on Web3 blockchain becomes immaterial uh, and everything is done sort of, you know, uh, transparently. Yeah, I think that is a great answer because if we think back to what you mentioned earlier about the black and white internet, I think most of us would not be sitting here today if this was still the black and white internet. So it really depends on, as you say, how companies translate the technology into something that the average user can use on a daily basis. But now I would love to get into the thick of today's topic. Why is utility so important when it comes to NFTs? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's really, if you think about it, uh, it's, it's everything. Right? It's everything with NFTs in terms of the, the value uh, that, that NFTs have in the first place come from, comes from the utility uh, that 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 somebody has built into them, right? So it's it's really the uh, the most crucial uh, of of, uh, of of factors that one would use. So you can think of NFT the value of NFT collections as being built on three pillars: uh, community, culture, and utility. Uh, but if you really look at the community and culture aspect of that, uh, it really boils down to utility, anyways, because the community is. When I buy this, uh, when I buy this NFT, does this give me access to an exclusive, exciting community that I wouldn't have been part of otherwise? So if you buy a board ape, uh, board ape today, you end up hobnobbing with some of the people, like some of the uh, the biggest names in the Web three space. And if that you know happens to be your goal, you know it's it's totally worth it. And again, that really comes back down to utility. Uh, so so I would say it's it's everything in terms of like building the value. Uh, of, of, of an NFT because if you look at 
the other two two pillars, community and culture, they all will boil down to utility anyway. Yeah, Jason, that's a great answer. I mean, very succinct. Utility is everything. And I think we see this even in Web3 in general, where if it's only sort of community and culture, it goes on that hype train and wherever that train is off to. But as soon as the market has a downturn, like we are seeing at the moment, and community and even culture falls away a little bit, then the conversation centers around, okay, what is the utility? And unfortunately, in many cases, there isn't as much utility to really sustain these projects um, and to keep both institutional as well as retail investors invested, not just financially, but also in terms of supporting these projects uh, in the long run. So I'm wondering, based on the projects, and you've, you've invested advised and you know been involved with many different projects uh in the few years well in in fact in the many years that you've been in the crypto space um so i'm wondering what are some of the examples of nft use cases you've seen that actually lacked utility so maybe community was there culture was there and perhaps a thinly veiled sort of you know uh indication of what utility is or could be but then really there wasn't much of substance uh underneath yeah, so there probably isn't any point in naming specific collections, but uh, but suffice to say, a lot of NFTs that constructed solely as collectibles uh, were so. For example, there was recently a, a, a couple of Dave sold his was it couple of Dave actually it was it was a cricketer, uh, but he he sold his like nineteen eighty three bat uh, that he won the you know nineteen eighty three World Cup with, uh, but it wasn't the actual bat; it was solely a digital copy of that. So uh, although I, I believe that that's currently worth more than it, significantly more than, than it is, than it was when it was first purchased. However, I question if there's any, you know, standing utility or, you know, how that, how that will hold, you know, value over time. So I think a lot of collections that are constructed solely around, um, you know, artistic value. I mean, other than those that actually have real artistic value in those cases of course uh, that's an example here. a lot of those will not hold value too well those those another collectibles that are attached to maybe uh, celebrities they don't have a lot of utility and they don't they aren't built they aren't built for that basically uh and and a lot of rappers boxers for example have uh, social media influencers uh, have promoted nfts or issued nfts themselves those have all a lot of those have gone to zero right and and that's because they don't build in NFTs. They they rely on the hype uh, to sell those NFTs, uh, and then once those NFTs are sold, they have no interest in engaging with those communities or engaging, you know, in, in that ecosystem other than to market to them. Uh, and so, you know, over time, uh, you're going to see a lot of those uh, uh, those those tokens that have no utility uh, basically crash and burn. Yeah, I think this is a really good point because, as you mentioned earlier. Some people start these NFT collections and it functions as an extension of the fan club that they already have. But if it doesn't end up being an engaged ecosystem, then it is going to fall flat because ultimately then, as you say, there is no much utility that extends over time. But on a more positive note, uh, and this would be the final question before I open up to the audience for questions. So guys, if you want to ask Jason a question, Reminder to either put in a speaker request or you can just DM the Adlunum Twitter handle. Um, can you give us some examples of NFT use cases that has a really strong built-in utility? 
Uh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I mentioned Board Ape Yacht Club earlier. Uh, they've been doing, you know, apart from the fact that you generally, uh, you know, you get access to this massive community, right? Which, again, is, is, as I mentioned earlier, is, is kind of its own utility. Uh, Board Ape Yacht Club uh, is a yacht club for one, uh, but you also have this various events that they do. So they did a $200,000 treasure hunt that was only available for, for ape holders. Uh, the, some people actually won. Uh, they also did, uh, there was also a website that was uh, a dating website uh, solely for people that owned um, uh, apes. Uh, but that closed, uh, I think it closed because uh, there was an un, uh, unusually large amount of men versus women uh, on that dating website. Mostly because if you think about it, how many people, how many women owned uh, born apes? Not a whole lot. And so uh, that, that dating website had a hard time taking off the ground. But there's a whole bunch of utility that, Ends up ends up being built around, you know, uh, BAYC, which is why they're so successful. So I mean, that would be the easiest one to mention. Of course, CryptoPunks has its own sort of community, which which is also super useful uh, in, in terms depending on 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 the kind of market you're trying to access and the kind of people you want to connect with. All right. Well, guys, with that, let's open it up to the audience. Jason, it's been an absolute treat having you on today. Um, I am going to move over to the audience and let me see if I have some questions. All right. So I have one already. So if you had the ability to create an NFT type, what would you like to have done? Okay. Very interesting. Now let's see where you take this one. Are you asking me if I would want to have created an NFT type? Where it would it, I, like, what would it I assume be? so. So hit us with it. Let's see. Interesting. Um, wow, I would probably I would probably come up with with some sort of cartoon character, uh, maybe maybe focused on uh, maybe a hand or something like that, uh, and and you'd have that hand dressed up in in various different clothes or something like that. I guess I don't know. I think that uh, the design of the NFT is probably less useful than kind of what utility is built around it, and so I think that uh, one of the things that I've, I'll be doing over the next several years is just collecting little pieces of utility that I can add to NFTs later. So I recently I recently uh, uh, bought a company socialioi.com, which is like a uh, a social media scheduling site, which I will ultimately uh, integrate into an NFT, like uh, um, uh, an NFT-based system, perhaps as utility to a social media NFT that gets released. I don't know. I can't really. I don't really th have any offhand, but um, I, but but yeah. I mean, there's there's interesting ideas that, that that can come up. So just collect a bunch of utility and then and then just get ready to pop it on to whatever uh, NFT I release. I guess. Well, that's a perfect answer considering that the topic of today's talk is how important utilities are. So there you have it, folks. Don't be collecting collectibles, collect utility. So I see that we have Sahil as a speaker. Sahil, do you want to go ahead and ask Jason a question? Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I want to ask one question. Uh, how do you think like NFTs, uh, especially utility and NFTs you're talking about, can help, you know, uh, creating the real Web3, you know, the self-sovereign Web3. I want to know your thoughts on that. Uh, self-sovereign Web3, could you, could you uh, expand on that question a bit? Yeah, so the current model of NFTs is, uh, is very uh, risky and very fragile, you know. If you talk about communities, 
even though there are like thousands of members in the nft but uh, each member can hold more than uh, more nfts in their name and we have no proper way to actually um, you know um, find out uh, there's something called uh, civil attack like if you if you google it that's one of the major problems in web 2 right now and uh, web 3 talks about how solving civil attacks you know you know fake accounts bots uh which we have in web 2 like how do, how do you think like web 3 you know web 3 won't have bots so like yeah you know so nadia mentioned this a little earlier when she at the top of this uh, off the at the top of the 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 session where she was talking about telegram and how telegram was trying to web 3 uh they've made it such that you know you can nft well they're talking about making it such where you can nft or maybe telegram id and things like that and that can be something that can be used basically once you nft that that's your uh, that's yours that's that that's tied to you uh forever and that that ownership and provenance is 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 set in stone and on, and on the blockchain so i think that's going to be really interesting in terms of uh how a lot of companies are, are tackling things like fraud uh another thing is you see like you mentioned self sovereign identity like there's uh some nft based identities that are that are being launched uh, pulao uh, just launched their digital id nft uh which i am a, a digital nft resident of pulao now uh so so that's actually something that that different different people are trying to do in terms of connecting identity and uh uh and and your sort of digital identity so for example um uh, unstoppable domains is also doing that where you can create you can buy you know uh your wallet uh and then that can can form essentially a part of your digital identity so yeah there's you know uh i th- i think a lot of uh a lot of the issues that 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 web2 has in terms of people creating you know uh like similar ids for example like instead of like cnn it's like uh, icnn or cnni or something and it's and it's a totally fake account i think you're going to be fairly easily easily able to pick them out uh when those are nfts and and you can just click on them and 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 see the provenance of them Jason I see that today mm-hmm. you are really bringing the most interesting questions uh to the front of the box so he'll thank you for that self sovereign and identity question we had you imaginative creating new nft types and now i have another question how do you think developing nations could use nfts to expand their economy so please take us a little bit zoom out a little bit and go meta uh that's interesting um you know offhand uh i know that some some countries are considering using blockchain uh to track uh to track real to track real estate purchases to track uh ownership uh i know of at least, of at least one country in the middle east uh that that is is deeply looking into modernizing their housing um uh the the entire housing infrastructure by using a uh, blockchain uh and uh native tokens perhaps you know maybe maybe to fund real estate purchases as well fractional real estate things like that uh but one of the areas that 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 they can certainly look at is sort of nft uh uh where where each sort of property is an nft uh and that sort of really really helps track provenance house ownership uh you know where how the how that ownership is transferred things like that so i think those are those are areas where like government is is looking at nfts as as a way to solve problems that uh like real world problems that they have but 
other than that, I'm not aware of any. Uh, although you know what, now that I think about it, there are actually like citywide governments uh, that are that that are issuing NFTs uh, as well. So like collectible NFTs for certain cities and things like that, and using that as sort of revenue stream generating. Um, uh, idea, but keep in mind these are all nascent. These are really nascent ideas, and I think that you know, uh, while somebody may buy them now, they made a whole value. But it's really good that these sort of experimentations are are happening because ultimately, you know, that's 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 how we're going to discover like the next best amazing use case for NFTs that we would never have considered, you know, had it not been uh, unleashed on the general populace for them to do it, what they will. Yeah, great. This brings to mind, I think, the city of Miami recently launched uh, NFTs on the Ethereum chain uh, that I think in partnership with Time, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I think we are definitely going to have you back as a guest speaker because we have never had the opportunity to get so many questions from the audience because we always finish at the top of the hour. So thank you for really just making use of the time wisely because I have another question because we still have some time. So will we see a future? And guys, I just want to say shout out to the community because these questions are absolutely amazing. Will we see a future where every person would be NFT'd? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, so thanks for that, uh, Nadia. I've known for my brevity, if, if anything. Um, yeah, in terms of whether each individual person uh, will be NFTs, you know, NFT, uh, DSO uh, has their has a social network where it's like a, uh, essentially you can you, you, you own your very similar to like a Web3 version of Twitter uh, where, where, you know, you own that and people people can essentially buy tokens, buy your tokens. Uh, and, and, and each of those individual sort of usernames are NFTs themselves. So there is some of this uh, uh, happening already sort of in the Web3 space. Uh, but, but I think that there's also, there's also been some experimentations where people have like tokenized their future earnings. So for example, they've, I know, for example, um, uh, uh, at least one person in the Indian uh, crypto space that has that has tokenized their future earnings, where they sold NFTs, they guaranteed people uh, a portion of their future income, uh, which I which I think is really interesting because I think that might be uh, the ultimate way people end up funding college, uh, the way the way college tuition is going. Then another question: What do you think of traditional brands using NFTs in marketing? And just also a shout out here to the community for using the inbox of the Adludum Twitter handle. If you would like to ask a question uh, by speaking on the platform, you can also put in a speaker request. So, Jason, what do you think of these traditional companies using NFTs in their marketing? Yay or nay? Well, it depends depends on what uh, on on how deeply the the NFT concept is integrated into what they're trying to do. So, we know, for example, there's uh, uh, there's there's a company that's now in trouble where essentially you could uh, you could tokenize uh, uh, essentially NFT certain sneakers uh, and and put them up for sale. Uh, and then you know StockX, for example, let's just let's just call it what it is. It was it was StockX. So they had you know NFTs that they had launched on sneakers uh, uh, where you could buy them and then you could trade these, these, these sneakers. The problem 
uh, the problem uh, sort of came up when somebody tried to, uh, you know, return these NFTs uh, or trade these NFTs for actual sneakers, which is what their actual utility is anyways. Uh, and it turns out that, that what they received was, was not authentic. And so there's, there's actually a, a lawsuit that's currently making its way through courts uh, centered around that because essentially they they issued these NFTs that represented by by real shoes, uh, but but one of those shoes were not you know authentic. So that that became an issue, I think. But but I think that's an interesting use case for NFTs. I know Nike is looking at doing this themselves, where they'll issue an NFT, you know, uh, in, like like included with the shoes that they sell, and then use that as a way to track them and then track the secondary market or get or get some sort of get some sort of uh, benefit from secondary market sales. And I know that there are companies that are looking at that as well. So where, you know, you sell, if, if you were to resell this, like here's, you have an NFT that represents the digital word, digital equivalent of, of your real world purchase. However, if you sell it, you know, 10% of the royalty goes back to what, uh, another company. Like, let's say I, I can, I can imagine, you know, a, a heritage watch brand, like, you know, like let's say Patek Philippe or something saying, okay, Hey, here's this watch. Uh, however, and, and here's the NFT that goes with it. And however, every time it's sold, uh, you know, some of it goes, uh, a royalty goes back to the Patek Philippe company or something like that. I can, I can envision something like that happening. Uh, I'm also uh, really interested to see how uh, companies like Faith Connections, I have to shout out Wahid Shamas here, CEO of Faith Connection. Um, uh, they recently launched Faith Tribe. Uh, we work very closely with them. They launched Faith Tribe, their token, uh, 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 which was an enormous success, uh, native token, although uh, they've created a system whereby you can sort of uh, uh, have NFTs connected to their, to their luxury clothing. They have a luxury clothing that Faith Connection. So you can essentially buy that alongside an NFT, uh, uh, NFT digital represent- representation of, of the clothes. Uh, and then you can actually wear those NFTs uh, in the metaverse, for example, um, in addition, they also made it to where, you know, people can sort of like, like vote uh, on certain, uh, on certain designs. And then those designs, the successful ones end up becoming actual real world designs. And then of course they have an NFT attached to them. So I, I think those, those use cases are going to be really like, those use cases are going to be really, really fascinating how that sort of evolves. So I'm more interested in seeing that than, you know, these more cookie cutter, here's a free NFT because you participated type, you know, type thing. Yeah, it's interesting because on the one hand, you have these companies like Tiffany's, for example, who recently uh, released this limited edition CryptoPunks pendants. But then you have companies uh, as the one you mentioned where it really is, Web3 focus, but at the same time, doesn't only jump on the bandwagon of, okay, let's see where this technology and this trend is going to go, but really builds an entire community around what this technology can offer. But with that, we've come to the end of an especially informative hour of Adlunum's Future of NFT series. Jason, it's been delightful speaking to you. I'm so glad that we get, got to have you on today because we talk shop in-house on a daily basis, but today the Adlunum community is also able to enjoy the pleasure of your expertise. So thank you for your time. As for the audience, thank you so much for joining in today and sharing this time with us as you often do on a weekly basis. Uh, it's really you know, your commitment to deepening your own understanding of this big, brave world of Web3 that keeps all of us going. So if you've loved what you've heard on the show today, be sure to follow Jason, who 
as at Lunam's co-founder can be found on Twitter at TokenJ and of course via the Adlunum Twitter handle at Adlunum Inc. And I will catch you again next week for another episode of The Future of NFTs brought to you by Adlunum. Cheers, guys. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with Adlunum on Twitter at Adlunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.